If you have a Bible, you can turn to Matthew. We'll look at the end of 19, the beginning of chapter 20. Text is printed there on the next page, too. You can follow along there. Uh, This passage is something of a part two to the one we looked at last week. Uh, Last week we heard about Jesus overturning our expectations and, uh, you know, exposing and exploding our assumptions, surprising us, undermining our self-confidence, to relocate our confidence in him. So he was, uh, you know, receiving and blessing little children and uh, those who were like little children, saying that the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as have no belongings, belongs to such as who are humble and dependent on him. Uh, While, on the other hand, those who have made something of themselves, made something of their lives uh, through accomplishment and accumulation, they can't accept life the way Jesus talks about it. Uh, They don't want what Jesus is offering, and so they go away sad. Uh, Ultimately, the kingdom of heaven belongs to Jesus, the Son of God, the first who became last in order to bless the wrong kind of people. And to share his inheritance with us. Well, you know, we've got more surprises this week. Uh, Last week it was, you know, the first will be last and the last first. And now we've got the last becoming first and the first last. (laughs) And uh, when Jesus is surprisingly gracious to people that we consider to be undeserving, it can expose the fact that we've got a merit-based approach to life with God. Uh, We need to know that the merit-based life is a miserable one, and we need to know that only Jesus can free us from it. So that's what we'll talk about this morning. Let me pray, then we'll read the scripture. Father, help us to recognize reality, to live in reality with you as we hear the word of your Son in the power of your Spirit. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Peter said in reply to Jesus, See, we have left everything and followed you. What then will we have? Jesus said to them, Truly I say to you, in the new world, when the Son of Man will sit on his glorious throne, you who have followed me will also sit on twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or lands for my name's sake will receive a hundredfold and will inherit eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and the last first. For the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. After agreeing with the laborers for a denarius a day, he sent them into his vineyard. And going out about the third hour, he saw others standing idle in the marketplace. And to them he said, you go into the vineyard too. And whatever is right, I will give you. So they went, going out again about the sixth hour and the ninth hour. He did the same. And about the eleventh hour, he went out and found others standing. And he said to them, why do you stand here idle all day? They said to him, because no one has hired us. He said to them, you go into the vineyard too. And when evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, Call the laborers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last up to the first. And when those hired about the eleventh hour came, each of them received a denarius. 
Now, when those hired first came, they thought they would receive more. But each of them also received a denarius. And on receiving it, they grumbled at the master of the house, saying, These last only worked one hour, and you've made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the day and the scorching heat. But he replied to one of them, Friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? Take what belongs to you and go. I choose to give to this last worker as I give to you. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or do you begrudge my generosity? So the last will be first and the first last. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ. So let's remember briefly where we are. Uh, What happened just before this is a rich young man had come to Jesus asking what good deed he had to do to inherit eternal life. And Jesus blew up that paradigm for him. You don't inherit eternal life by doing good deeds. Basically showed him that it was impossible for him to be good enough or to do enough good deeds or keep God's commandments enough to deserve the kingdom of heaven. So if you're going to enter the kingdom of heaven... It will not be by your own goodness. Jesus told the rich young man what absolute perfection would look like for him, selling everything, giving to the poor, following Jesus. And it was too much for him. The guy walked away, choosing to be sad with his great possessions, rather than knowing the joy of sonship and and the inheritance with Jesus. So at first, the disciples were shocked that it didn't work out with this guy. But now, uh, you know, here in our passage, they look to turn that encounter to their own advantage. Peter said in reply, see, we've left everything and followed you. What then will we have? So Peter looks to compare himself favorably now to the guy who couldn't handle the demands of Jesus and who walked away. Peter thinks of himself as someone who can handle the demands of Jesus and who therefore maybe deserves some kind of reward for that. That's the merit-based life. Uh, It often manifests in comparison and competition with each other. You know, if I'm better than you, then I will deserve a greater reward. That's what it boils down to. So do you hear the assumption in that? The assumption is this is how it should work. This is how it should work. The merit reward system is the way that it should be. The first should be first. And the last should be last. (coughs) Peter uh, (coughs) hasn't really understood what was happening with the rich young man. He didn't understand that Jesus wasn't affirming the merit-based life. Peter heard Jesus say, this is what he heard Jesus say, If you want to be deserving of the kingdom, be perfect and fulfill even the most demanding of God's commandments. But that's not what Jesus was saying to the rich young man. Jesus was exposing the bankruptcy of the merit-based life, showing that someone who actually had embraced the merit-based life would ultimately refuse to enter the kingdom of heaven because that way, that merit-based life way, is 
antithetical to God and to his way of gracious love. The merit-based life leads away from Jesus. It always leads away from Jesus. And therefore, away from true life, eternal life with God. Peter is representative of so many of Jesus' disciples, obviously the rest of the disciples here, but so many of us who wish God operated on the merit reward system. We wish it really worked that way. We want to be able to be good enough. We want to be able to be devoted enough, committed enough to be able to feel good about ourselves, to feel secure, welcome and accepted by God based on our own devotion. That is so deeply ingrained in us that really only Jesus can uh, expose it and knock it loose from our hearts and set us free from it. So, uh, when Peter basically boasts to Jesus of his commitment and asks, you know, what kind of special reward he will uh, deserve, Jesus has to unsettle him. He has to shake him out of that mindset. (coughs) He says, yes, you will receive great rewards in my kingdom, but many who are first will be last and the last first. And then he tells this parable that basically shows that the merit-based reward-seeking approach to life will produce great disappointment. But that those who know themselves to be last will delight in God's grace and enjoy what had eluded the merit-based folks. (coughs) There it goes. (laughs) Sorry. It says in verse uh, 1, For the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. After agreeing with the laborers for a denarius a day, he sent them into his vineyard. So in this parable, the metaphor for life in the kingdom, Jesus is saying that he is like the master of a house who makes arrangements for the vineyard workers. This parable shatters the idea that the kingdom of heaven is all about business transactions and wage agreements. He sets up the story with those categories like we'd expect in a merit-based system, but then he violates those categories in surprising ways. <coughs> the kingdom of heaven is actually not like earning a wage, not like deserving a reward. Being called to do God's work in his vineyard, belonging there in that field in the first place, is a gracious blessing. So the regular workday schedule for a day laborer would be 6 a.m. to 6 p.m., 12 hours, The master of the house goes out at dawn, at the beginning of the workday, to the marketplace where laborers would be looking for work. And he agrees to a good wage for these workers, a denarius a day, and he sends them into the vineyard. And that much is considered normal business. That's it. Everything else that happens after this is subversive to the transactional merit-based approach to life. Because it's not normal for the master of the house to then go back to the market at 9 a.m. And then back again at 12. And then back again at 3. That in itself is surprisingly gracious. Normally, hey, the early bird gets the worm. You snooze, you lose. You didn't show up on time, you wouldn't get a spot on the bus. Normally, we'd expect the first to be first. And the stragglers just to be out. And if you're the kind of person who likes to be first, (coughs) being diligent and hardworking and punctual and responsible, they're part of your core identity, then already you're going to have problems with the way Jesus runs things. 
you'd probably think you deserved the edge you got over those other workers who missed the first bus. You deserve that edge because of your good attitude about work. The first should belong in the field. The last should not. But the master is always looking to bring more people in to give them a place to belong and to join him in his good work. So each time he goes out, he says to new workers, you go into the vineyard too. Whatever is right, I'll give you. So the the first had been told what to expect in payment, and they'd happily agreed to that arrangement. All the late arrivals were not told. Uh, They were told whatever they received would be right, but it's going to be a surprise. And we are surprised, especially by the inclusion of these super late stragglers about the 11th hour. He goes out and finds others. So that's 5 p.m., basically already quitting time. Why is he even going out again? Right? He's always looking to bring more people in to give them a place to belong. And he says to this last group, what's going on? We haven't been hired yet. Well, you go into the vineyard too. So this last batch really is about simply belonging in the vineyard. They, they don't even have a chance to do any work. Right? They're not really even told to do work. Just go into the vineyard. So they basically show up when it's time to get paid. And they get paid first in order to make the point that Jesus is making here. It's all built around this. So when evening came, it's about 6 p.m. So these last, this last batch was sent in at 5. The owner said to his foreman, let's pay them beginning with the last up to the first. And when those hired about the 11th hour came, each of them received a denarius. So there's that last first language, right, that we have seen Jesus use several times in this passage. The last workers basically got off the bus and went straight to the foreman for pay. They certainly did not deserve this reward for standing around idle all day, which is what they really did. So it really is a demonstration of the incredible generosity of the owner that they were paid a whole denarius. This is a good wage for a whole day of work. But the other workers who had been there longer could not appreciate it for the owner's generosity. They could only think in terms of getting what they thought they deserved in comparison. So when those hired first came, they thought they would receive more. But each of them also received the denarius, and on receiving it, they grumbled at the master of the house, saying, These last only worked one hour, and you've made them equal, equal to us, who have borne the burden of the day in the scorching heat. So the first did not like being considered equals to the last. The first deserved to be first. So whatever the last get, we deserve better. That's what they thought. What what had all their punctuality and diligence and hard work gotten them? Nothing different from those lazy bums who came in at the last minute. The first could not see that basically they were the same as the last. They were entirely dependent on the master's gracious invitation and inclusion of them. They belong in the field only because the master brought them to his field. They couldn't see that their belonging was entirely a gift of his generosity. 
They thought they deserved better. Well, you know, if they're going to be down to getting their rights, well, they were getting what was right according to their agreement, right? He says, I I did you no wrong. We agreed for a denarius. So take what belongs to you. I choose to give to this last worker as I give to you. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or do you begrudge my generosity? So Jesus says the last will be first and the first last. So that's the key to the parable right there in that final question. Do you begrudge my generosity? The whole parable has been about displaying the master's generosity in a way that exposes our merit-based approach to life. The last get paid first so that the first could see it. So that they would have the opportunity to respond to what they see. Either to celebrate the master's generosity to others or to begrudge the master's generosity to others. So when we think of our relationship with God in terms of getting the reward we think we deserve... Jesus exposes that rot in our hearts by showing his grace and his mercy to other people. That was the problem that had long existed in the hearts of God's people, the nation of Israel. They thought themselves especially deserving of God's favor, perhaps deserving his exclusive attention and affection because God had blessed them for centuries, for millennia. Right? They were the first And they had come to think that the first should be first. So it must have been difficult for them to hear prophecies like our Old Testament reading that Cindy read from Isaiah 19. Where God treats their enemies. Egypt and Assyria. These are nations that had oppressed them historically. He treats these latecomer, Gentile, idolatrous oppressors as their equals. In that day, Israel will be the third with Egypt and Assyria, a blessing in the midst of the earth whom Yahweh of hosts has blessed, saying, Blessed be Egypt, my people, and Assyria, the work of my hands, and Israel, my inheritance. Israel wouldn't be first among those blessed to know Yahweh. They'd be listed third. That's last in this list with these other wicked nations, right? The grace of God is the great leveler of all people. All have sinned, all fall short of the glory of God, all equally need God's mercy in Jesus Christ. Seeing others receive his mercy, receive his generosity, can drive us crazy, and that reveals that we had not received it as grace. We had not received it as mercy or as a gift, but instead as a reward. So the merit-based way of life is deeply lodged in our hearts, and we need Jesus to set us free from it, to help us to relate to God, not in terms of merit-reward, to help us to relate to God in terms of his free grace, thankfully received with joy as one receives a great gift that one did not deserve. Right? So Peter thinks... He deserves a reward for his commitment to Jesus. And Jesus says, yeah, you'll get a reward, a great reward, but not the merit reward type of reward that you think you deserve, the reward I deserve. 
That's the reward you'll get. Jesus alone is good. Jesus alone has kept all of God's commandments. Jesus alone deserves the inheritance of the kingdom and the rights and the rewards of divine sonship. Jesus is the master of the house. He's the owner of the vineyard who does what he chooses with what belongs to him, gives mercy to those that he wants to give mercy to. He is also the very first laborer in the field. He's the the only true laborer who does all the work, and we are all the last, the latecomers who are invited by his grace simply to go into the vineyard, to get off the bus, go straight to the foreman, and receive the reward that Jesus deserves. Belonging to the kingdom is never a matter of merit for us. It is entirely a matter of God's generosity through his son, who has loved us and given himself for us. So what Jesus says here is a surprise to us. And we might not even really like it. We don't like the way this works. Because we're so bought into the lie of the merit-based life, we believe, we assume that God rewards us according to our faithfulness, our devotion, our righteousness, our commitment, our goodness. Jesus surprises us with this good news of the kingdom because he he does not want us to stay in our merit-based beliefs. He does not want us to stay relating to God in a merit-reward system. He wants us to believe the reality about God and the truth about God's grace. He wants us to relate to God in a new way, in a better way, that is according to his astounding generosity. We all receive the reward of sonship to God and inheritance of his kingdom because of Jesus. We all receive Jesus himself as our reward, his life, his relationship with God, his own spirit as the reward that we get that we don't deserve. It is perfectly right and righteous for God to be this generous, to be so generous to all his people. Even though we might like to look around and start ranking people based on what we think everybody deserves, it's right for him to be gracious to us. So do you begrudge his generosity? Do you receive grace as if you had earned it? Do you presume that the longer you live as a Christian, the longer you labor in the heat of the day, the more you suffer as a believer, the more rewards you accumulate by your faithfulness? Do you think that newborn children or brand new believers deserve less than you? Do you think that homeless people or disabled people deserve less than you? Do you think that really bad people or your enemies deserve less than you? Do you resent them being made equal to you in God's kingdom? Are you uh, stuck on yourself complaining about what seems unfair and grumbling about God's generosity? Or do you love the reward that you've been freely given in Christ? Do you delight in his generosity toward you, the last, in receiving what was rightfully due, the Son of God, who is the first? Do you consider yourself the last and the littlest and the least? Are you pleasantly surprised to find yourself belonging to Jesus in his vineyard, in his kingdom? We, even though uh, I think all of us here are Gentiles, coming into the vineyard very late in the day historically, and, and personally, in time, 
we're given the same status, the same reward as the fathers of the faith, as Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We're given the same status and reward as Joseph, who was a ruler in Egypt. Same status and reward as Moses and Joshua, the great deliverers of God's people. As Aaron, high priest of the 12 tribes of Israel. As David and Solomon, great kings of the holy nation. We are given the same status and the same reward as Jesus Christ himself. The kingdom belongs to him because of who he is and what he has done because of his perfect and enduring faithfulness to God. He truly bore the burden of the day and the scorching heat, even suffering the cross in his faithfulness to God on our behalf. In our firstness, thinking the first should be first, we would have been resentful and miserly about sharing our rewards with sinners. About seeing the last who should be last, considered our equals. But Jesus is the first who was willing to become last, delighting to share his reward, his inheritance, his kingdom, with those who could never deserve it. You cannot judge him for his generosity. Thank him that in his judgment it was right and just to be gracious to you. Join him in delighting to see his generosity go to others, just as it has come to you. Rejoice in the last becoming first, because Jesus the first became last. Amen. Let's pray. Father, you are merciful and gracious to undeserving people in Jesus Christ. Let us see you being generous to more and more undeserving people. Show us your grace and mercy going to more and more people. Expose and explode our merit-based instincts about life with you. Help us to know ourselves to be undeserving recipients of your grace and to delight in your grace, even as Jesus delights in sharing his reward, his inheritance, his kingdom with us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.